Hello, this is Wayne Highlander, and welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager for Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training. What do you say, Rob? Good afternoon, Wayne. How are you today? Doing fantastic, man. We're back. We got hijacked. That was interesting. 45 minutes of Pauline laughing. Yeah. I, I see what she was laughing at. <laughs> I think they're going to go on their own. I think it's, uh, I think they, the three of them got a taste for the fame and fortune of what, what we do. And I think they're going to go on their own. I told, uh, I asked my wife if she wanted to listen to it back and she goes, oh, I don't know. I, you know, it's funny how neither one of them wanted to do it. Pauline didn't want to do it. Judy didn't want to do it. And Eileen didn't want to do it so much. Um, and, uh, although it was Eileen's idea, um, and, um, you know, I asked Judy, she wants to listen to it back. She goes, no, I don't like the sound of my voice. You know, I, I said, well, you should listen to it back. Cause I listened to it and I wanted her to listen to it. And so finally I, I had her listen to it back and I said, you know, kind of cute how affectionate Pauline is towards Rob, isn't it? You know, how, you know, Paul's just a big, or Rob's just a big, big, nice guy, big cuddly bear, you know. Rob's just a sweetheart. I, on the other hand, we learned that I'm a slob. I can't drive. Can't drive. I pereen around in the mirrors with my shoes. Can't be trusted with money. Can't handle money. Yeah. Yeah, she, um, so she let the world know. Yeah. So, Pauline uh, kept all my dark secrets. I was happy about that. That's a good woman. Yeah. So I told Judy, after I told her that, I, I, I said, kind of cute, wasn't it, how, you know, affectionate she was towards Rob. She goes, Wayne, well, I didn't see nothing bad. <laughs> I said, you didn't leave out much, honey. <laughs> no, she's, she's great. So, um, all right, Rob, so we're going to talk about today, setting up a job site to be the most productive. Kind of a pet peeve of mine. And um, especially when you have employees and you have um, you have lead guys on the job and apprentices on the job and and um, um, so I think this would be a good a good topic. So uh, maybe I'll let you you want to start it out, Rob? Yeah, because I think we're gonna not only just setting up the job site, but setting up the whole job. You know, before the job, during, and after, and you know, right away. Uh, let's start with the before. Let's start this job at the estimate. Okay. I think there's a lot of things that we need to do during this estimate. I mean, this is our, this is, I, I know we keep saying it and Pauline said, you know, you sound greedy. Well, all you're talking about is how to make money. I said, well, you know, that's, that's the beauty of what we do. And we're all in it. I mean, we're in it to make the money. So I think one of the big things of the estimate is you got to be thinking this is your shot to really make a good amount of money. This is the, this is where you're going to do it. So right off the bat, we want to be talking about our craftsmanship. We want to be leaving behind those product brochures to show the high-end quality stuff that we're going to use, testimonials. These kind of things are, are what we want to be attacking in the estimate, not just getting your tape measure out, measuring and throwing something on the back of a business card and taking off like I used to do, was guilty of when I started doing this on my own. 
What's that famous quote by Rocky? When you, um, it's about boxing. Uh, it's not how hard. It's not how how hard you get hit. Oh, it's how, it's how hard you get hit and keep on coming. I I have I have was a point in my life where I had been let go from a company. It was 08, I think, 07 or 08. It was a bad time. And and I just sat on the couch for two days watching TV. And I happened to be watching, I think the name of that movie was Rocky Balboa. And he was talking to his son. Yeah, that's right. And he said, it's not how hard you hit. It's how hard you get hit and keep coming back. Yep. That's what winners are made of. And I that's remember. what made me get up and take a shower. Well, I remember. And get when, on my way. I remember when, when you got let go at that time. And I remember the company, you know, sitting around saying, gosh, you know, we're, the economy just took a wild turn. We're in fantastic shape. But, you know, there's a shot that, you know, things could be done. I said, well, we get rid of Rob. That'll save us some money. Pass them donuts. Somebody pass them, somebody pass them donuts. Yeah, when we get rid of Rob. Uh, no, uh, the reason I bring that up is, um, you know, how they attribute quotes to certain people. Like that's that's a quote from Rocky, what have you. Uh, I, I this is uh, I, I'm pretty sure I coined this, and I'm going to claim claim it. But I say it a lot because it uh, uh, means a lot to me, and it's this: you cannot outwork a bad bid. And even if you can, it ain't no fun. So like you said, you've got that window of time. You've got that, that, that is your baby. That is your time to make, that's, I look, I, that to me is, I'm thinking at the end of the year, I'm thinking how much money can I, can I get from this job? You know, with the, how can it be the most profitable? And I only get a chance to do that so many times a year. So this is the shot to right. perfect, perfect my, my sales pitch. And I don't even like it as a sales pitch. I mean, it's, it's not, you're, it's, you're selling your craftsmanship. You're selling what you do and you deserve to do that. This is hard work. You, you, if you're good at what you do, you deserve to, to stand up for yourself. You know what I mean? Because it's not just you, it's your family. It's your way of life and everything else that this is your shot to, to make as much money as you can. There's not a damn thing in the world wrong with, with turning down jobs if the money's not right or the situation isn't right. I've said it before, I don't negotiate my price and that people can say that's arrogant or, well, you know, that's whatever. Uh, but, and I'm not saying it's for everybody, but I don't. And my price is my price. And um, if you don't like it, I, I, I respect that. There's other guys. Um, but that's your shot. You're right, Rob. I could not agree with you more. Would you negotiate your price with a dentist? No, exactly right. No. When he hands you a bill, I mean, to you, hey, wait a minute. Uh, tell you what I'll do. Yeah. How about you take out 15%? We'll talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it doesn't work. I had, like a, I, I had a dentist one time and went through that with a dentist. Wow. And he wanted a discount. And I said, you know, well, do you give discounts when people ask for it? I mean, when you give out your price. And he said, look, so I went to school for, for 12 years. I said, well, I've, I've been doing this for 30 years. So mm -hmm. I outdid your 12. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I didn't get the job. <laughs> <laughs> but I was kind of, right. I got kind of pissed when he, you know, kind of mm -hmm. said that. And, you know, right away I was like, ah, this isn't going good. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
Plus, you got to be able to read the room. You know, if it's a if it's a guy, it's a it's a it's a legitimate guy that he's hurting. You know, you look around the house and they don't have a lot of money. Maybe it was a you know this came up, came out of the blue that they're getting their floors worked on or whatever. That's one thing. You know, I may be a nice guy, but I'm not stupid. You know what I mean? I I want I want to make my money. If I want to make a judgment call because I'm a nice guy, that I'll set that aside. That's something different. Uh, we've all worked for people that that you know were in maybe unfortunate circumstances. And yeah, in that case, it's been a good year, or whatever, or maybe I can get a guy on this as an opportunity to teach somebody to do something different or whatever, or we can use some of the products that we have already out there. So it doesn't cost as much. That's one thing, but nope. Uh, otherwise I don't negotiate. No negotiating. And if you are going to, if I know some people who do negotiate, uh, I might have a couple of times, but it had to be a, uh, Okay, but what do I get in return? Where, you know what I mean? I'm not just going to mm -hmm. give you something. Do I have yeah. more jobs coming down the road? Are you going to be a salesman for me? I mean, you know mm -hmm. what's what's in it for me and and some sort of a discount. And yeah, I think you have to look at it like that. But I'm with you. No negotiations. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm right. Like in some sometimes a, a, a like a painter would say, "Hey, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm painting at this house, so and so, you know." Um, they need the floors done. It's three thousand square feet. If you give me two hundred dollars, all the no. I'm not doing that. And I, I'm maybe we were fortunate we didn't need the work or whatever. But I still don't do that. It just doesn't sit well with me. That's me. I completely uh, recognize that. Other people do that and go, "Wow, this is a good way we get referral business and whatever." And I'm completely fine with that. But that just wasn't for me. Now, a few guys that I work stuff out with, roofers, painters, stuff like that. It was never a money thing. It was always, hey, he's my, you know, I got a roofer, I got a painter. And those guys were the same thing with the referral. Oh, you need your floors done, call Johnson, that kind of thing. That's different. It's a mutual respect then. Yes. Like if there's a painter I respect, yeah. I, you know, and that's, it's, I, it's hard to refer somebody. But if I see a painter, they go, you know what? This guy's a stud. Uh, I'd refer him. I wouldn't want anything in return. But the other thing about it too is, if you know there's good guys on the job site, things are usually more organized and more more disciplined and everything. And it makes it, you know, you want to work with quality guys. Actually, by the way, that's a sign of a good builder, that the builder has the same subs on every job. And, um, you know, usually that there's a reason for that. You know, right. the guys respect him. It's a good working relationship. One thing that's a pet peeve of mine, too, I guess I get a lot of pet peeves, um, <laughs> is Just the power. Judy. Just ask Judy. <laughs> it's, Judy. It's the power. Judy will tell us. Yeah, yeah. Let me bring her in here. Yeah, you got anything left, Judy? Anything else you want to get out? You know? Okay. <laughs> Did she take your bell away yet? No, I still get the bell. Um, I kid about Judy because uh, she is the best thing in this freaking world for me. So I'm uh, just joking. Um, is that okay, Judy, to say that? Yeah. Okay, yeah, good. I yeah. can say that. Yeah. Um, Power, uh, man. Every van should have four pigtails in the in the van at least. I mean, you that's that usually covers about everything you have. And um, um, I want to be able to get that machine up and running as fast as I can. So yes, we might have to hang plastic even even though we use uh, dust containment. Um, sometimes we don't need it if we have dust containment. Whatever the situation is, I you know everybody kind of knows their role. And, and I may have to talk to the homeowner because, you know, as usually the, the, the job's just starting, they may have questions. 
but I don't want to turn around and my three guys are standing behind me. Well, like, you know, we're having, when I'm having this discussion, those guys know one guy's getting the machine set up, one guy's getting the, the, you know, the, the power, everything dealt with and, and everything. And so, uh, and then take the time to walk the room, walk the job and see how you can make this run as productively as you possibly can. And by that, I mean, say it's 1,200 square feet in a set of stairs. You don't want to get to the end of the job where, yeah, everything's done, and now we're waiting on the guy because now he's going to start standing in the stairs. And there's now we're going to start the stairs. Yeah, yeah. Right. The, job, the job bottlenecks. And uh, if there's a lead guy on the job, I certainly put that on, on the lead guy. Um, you know, you know, a lead guy, you're the you're leader of men, right? That's a responsibility. Um, you, you're the one that sets the responsibilities, the, uh, the, the standards, and the expectations. That's the job of the lead man. And you're the role model. And that's not like sometimes or part of the times or, you know, at times, that's all the time. You know, you're the whip. You're the guy that sets the standards. And I'm, uh, as a lead guy, I'm not there to be your friend. You know, I, we could be friends, but you have to meet my expectations and, and, and standards first. And that's, that's the whole show. And if you, sure. and then we, you know. Mussolini had friends. Yeah. <laughs> you jumped a little ahead of me. There is one thing that I want to talk about going back to the estimate and then we'll okay. get back to your setting up the job. Okay. Uh, I was looking at one of bums estimate one day and he had thresholds, separate price. He had closets for a separate price. I was shocked um, on his little upcharges and I said, wow, that's, you know, that's never saw something like that before. And he's like, really, you didn't do it this way. I said, no, I just, you know, 12 by 12 room. If there was a closet, you know, I might throw a couple feet in for a closet. And, but boy, have I learned a lot from him, how he looks at a job on an estimate, thresholds, radiators. It's not just the size of the room, but he charges for radiators. He charges for thresholds. He charges extra for closets. It was pretty impressive. And he gets his price. Yeah. You know, he gets his price because he has to do all of that stuff. So uh, I always thought that was a, a really good idea as far as uh, when you're looking at the estimate, because it was something that I had never done when I was doing estimates. I wish yeah. I had thought of it. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Um, uh, sometimes, uh, boy, you talk about it getting a crew hot is when the estimator misses something. Huh. You know, uh, you know, it's an aluminum oxide floor running at a diagonal in a kitchen that's, a, you know, 112 square feet. And you've got stuff everywhere. You know what I mean? And or go, in oh, your yeah. case, it's only 120 feet, but there's six yeah. doorways. Exactly. Yeah. All that stuff matters. All that stuff matters. So I like your yeah. style for, for uh, recognizing that. Now, back to your setup. I can't agree more uh, about setting the job up for success once you're on the job now i'm there um got to give a shout out to my uncle fred um we had sometimes our crew during the summer could be anywhere from eight to ten guys he never really ran a piece of equipment once in a while he would maybe pull some finish or something but when you had eight or ten guys running you know everybody's running machines saying it crazy like that all he did was run around situating cords, 
setting up paper, setting up machines. So you never, when you were done, the next phase was ready for you. There was no thinking, there was no walking around, wondering what I'm gonna do next or this side or the other thing. He was a master at how to set that job up and just keep everybody and everything flowing. Back to when are you gonna do the stairs? You better know when you're gonna do the stairs. You're gonna, just like you said, three guys standing around. Well, to me, the way that we set it up is whoever's running the big machine is, is, is king. I don't, I don't care if he's, we hired him two years ago or he's been with us 20 years or whatever. If he's running a big machine, he's king. He is yeah. the king. Yep. And we work around him. So if we get finished edging out a room because the guy wasn't there yet, we can get into edge first or, or, or run a big machine first, but whatever. Uh, get all your stuff out of his way. If you're, if you're scraping the corners and stuff, get all that out of his way, get everything out of his way, make that guy's life easy because that, that's where the money's at. Get that machine running, man. Um, and so that to us was the rule. Who's ever, who's ever run the big machine. That's, that's the boss. So, you know, I know this is going to sound simple and dumb, but you and I both worked in distribution for a little while mm -hmm. and you and I both like to talk. So I know when guys were coming in, I would, I would talk with them, you know, Hey, how's it going? Talking stories or store, whatever, have a coffee, right? How long did you spend with guys who were being paid by the hour? Because uh, we don't have any 80 grit. Yeah, I'll run down to the distributor and grab it. Oh, man, yeah. How, I, you know, I, I look at it both ways. One, when I was contracting, like, oh, this is going to be the best, I'm going to stop, get a coffee get to the distributor, talk, blah, 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 then pick it up. And when we both worked at distribution, you know, we were always itching to talk to somebody and, you know, swap out stories or whatever. What an immense amount of time that you're paying people to do this when if you had just planned a little bit ahead and not sending guys out on, you know, material runs, what a, what a money savings that is. Oh, it's it's funny you say that because uh, when it comes to talking, see, I don't like to talk, honestly. Uh, and and in my um, when I was a foreman, I certainly didn't like to talk. I didn't like to talk to the homeowners. I didn't like to talk to the guys I work with. I didn't like to talk to the other tradespeople. And if one of my guys was like getting in a conversation with a painter, or whatever, uh, to me that's a little annoying. So I, I mean, I used to say, once you get his phone number, you guys can talk tonight. Let's go. My God, you'd have fired me in the first day. <laughs> Because that's time is money, man. You, you know what I mean? And, and, and that's just another, that's a killer. You add that up. I don't know. I would have a real tough time with, with, and in in today, we're doing for today with the cell phones. I just, that's oh. that put me over the edge because they're such a killer on productivity. I, I think something has to be worked out. I mean, how do we go for our, our lifetime of not, you know, it, it, God forbid something happened with you at home whatever no one can get a hold of you that's just the way it was and you liked it you know what i mean that <laughs> you did not communicate and that's you know he got home before you found out what happened to your in your day i don't need to know what's going on in judy's life every every three or four times a day and she certainly doesn't need to know what's going on in mine and you never talked until you got home and that's when you talked right uh but now man it just uh i just i, I feel i've i i just 
I don't know how guys do it, to be honest with you. Again, I it's know I'm got old to be school. a productivity killer. Yeah. A killer. I think there would have to be, and, and I'll say the same with going to lunch. I, you know, that's, that's also a, a killer for productivity. I mean, not bringing your own lunch and what have you and, and time off the job where you have to drive to another job. I'd rather get home a half hour earlier and bring my lunch and eat, you know, and sometimes we didn't eat lunch at all or we ate lunch running the machine, damn it. But um, uh, even that alone for productivity, you start adding that up, going to Starbucks once a day um, over a course of a year's time, that's, that's a lot of money. Yeah. So H.A. Uh, Johnson, that's my dad's company, my grandfather's company. Uh, we called it working lunch. If you were behind, it was a working lunch. You'd sand a little bit, take a couple bites, but don't stop. The other thing was nobody ever left the job to go eat. If you were going to, they take one guy would take a lunch order. He would go get everything, bring yeah. it back. But you didn't just take the whole crew out because that was just another time killer. Ever tell you, we worked in the, Oakland, California, when the uh, the Santa Monica winds came through and uh, the 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 fires came through and just demolished a, a neighborhood, a very very high end, up in the East Bay Hills, it burned about thirty five hundred houses, I think. Oof. So thirty five hundred. I think that thirty five hundred houses having to be rebuilt at the same time. And um, it was interesting because a lot of these were beautiful homes and uh, you know tucked into the hills, on small lots. But with the insurance payouts, these some of these guys were like doubling the size of their houses on the same size lot. You know what I mean? But but there was a ton of work going on, and these small little roads getting up to the to the to the houses. Sometimes it would take you an hour just between all the construction crews and cement trucks and everything. You know, it was a, it was hard to get to your job site. So we'd get there early and you know stay. We wouldn't leave till the end of the day. And I remember one one time the guys didn't have lunch, and I thought, man, if these guys go to lunch. I'm going to lose them for an hour and a half, man. I just, <laughs> so I said, look, man, I'm going to go, just go down and get pizza for everybody. I'll be right back. And so I, I, I left, I got about five minutes down the road, probably not even that much. I see a pizza delivery guy looking for addresses. So I pulled over, I go, where the hell were you? He goes, well, I couldn't get up the road. I mean, all these trucks. I went, oh, that's ridiculous, man. I said, all right, what do we owe you? <laughs> He forked over three or four pizzas, a couple of, you know, Cokes and whatever. And I gave him, you know, I gave him ticket. I was back in house in 10 minutes. You know, here we go, guys. Let's do it. Yep. So uh, somebody missed out on a, on their lunch, but uh, man, it sure helped my productivity. Not your guys. Nope. Hey, once you're on that job, I mean, uh, I, I don't think this is something that you and I had to deal with, but act as if you're being recorded. Yeah because there's a good chance you are. I can't, I can't tell you how many times that I was working in a kitchen or something and I needed a pencil or a thumbtack or a hunk of tape. You, you know, you just start rummaging, looking around in people's junk drawer. Well, <laughs> when you see that on video, you look like a thief. You know what I mean? Yeah. You look like mm -hmm. uh, I had a guy in Toronto. He said the homeowner called me up at at the office and said your guys are going through my drawers and he said it's not my guys he said my son's on that job the guy the homeowner sent him a video of it and that's exactly what the kid was doing he was looking for a pencil or something yeah uh -huh. but it looked like right. he was stealing silverware yep 
Well, it's funny, uh, kind of on that note, I talked to, a, uh, I learned this off of a, a moving company guy that uh, you, ever, you ever drop something or bang into something, a wall, or, or you set something down, it's a loud crashing sound or whatever, and it's, you know, it's going to bring the homeowner's attention. He says, always go, ow, like, you know, like it was you that banged into something, you know, even though it wasn't you. He goes, it's a, it's a great way to deflect his concern about whatever you just said. That now it's like, you know, it's you. I thought, pretty good little trick there. You know, that brings up uh, another point. I, I mean, now we got the job. We're about to get started. Uh, I know we just trash cell phones. But the good part about having these cell phones is these instant pictures that you can take now. Yeah. You see a hole in a door or a crack and then some molding or, you know, whatever. Baseboards that are all beat up, cabinets, especially if you're working in a kitchen. I, yeah. I got, you know, I think I've told the story before. I got really screwed on a job where we laid a floor in a kitchen. The floor looked so good. Now she's looking down and she saw how crappy and beat up her the bottoms of her cabinets were. She blamed us. And I had really no recourse at all, you know. So you got to take those CYA pictures, I call them. I was telling somebody, uh, actually my sister-in-law, uh, we had a conversation actually, I think it was last week or maybe the beginning of this week about a customer I had. Um, it was an old house, really old house. And uh, we did the floor. She was moving to Oregon. And um, she came up to me. She says, I'm deducting for the front door. I said, um, oh. Wait, I beg your pardon? She goes, the front door, you broke the handle on the front door. I said, well, it's just me. I mean, I don't understand. And so she says, look, it does. she was spinning the door. It didn't work anymore. I said, all right. So, well, let me, I'll get a locksmith. I bring the locksmith guy out to the job and uh, he, he takes it out. I said, well, tell me what was wrong with the thing. He goes, what's wrong with it? But the house is 120 years old. He goes, this is supposed to be square. It's round. The whole thing's rounded out. It's gone. So I said, ma'am, I said, Honest God, I mean, how could I have done this? I mean, I just opened the door. I've been doing this for a long time. And the man here says, "It's let me look at it. She goes, I don't care. You're the last one to use it. Oh. I said, all right, all right. Well, you know what? It's not worth the fight. So I was $175 or whatever. Uh, but long story short, I finished the job. Three days later, she calls me up. She goes, I got great news for you. I said, really? She goes, yeah. She goes, the movers, I did the downstairs, but she couldn't afford to do the upstairs. She said the movers scratch the floors upstairs when they're moving, so they're they're going to have to have the floor sanded over. So can you give me a price on the on the upstairs? I said, ma'am, you got to be ashamed of yourself. I said, no. I said, no. I, I, I'm I'm honestly not not interested in bidding that job. I said you're going to do the same thing to them that you did to me. I said so. I, I respectfully well not interested in the job. Nice. Not, so. Yep, but uh, yeah, uh, cell phones are good for that. I think that's a good good reason to have cell phones on the job, as I just trashed them like you did. Um, I'll say something else too. If 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 ever you know, uh, one of the advantages of water-based finishes were putting uh, multiple coats on in a day. If that was ever the case, and you know, probably be if, if you're like me, let's say on Monday your van is organized. You know, you spent over the weekend, whatever. You got your van nice and organized. The cords are all rolled up. Everything's in its place. And if you're doing multiple jobs that week, by Thursday, you know, it looks like it was put in the blender. So um, if I got a coat on by 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to put another coat on. I don't have another job that I can go to. I'll often drive to uh, an empty parking lot somewhere and just empty out the van, organize the van, get it all. I mean, it's two hours of downtime anyhow. 
So I'll be as productive as I can on that. Uh, go through phone calls that I got to make, set up bids and estimates or whatever, but I'll use that time wisely. And uh, I think it's a great use of time to clean out those vans and get the vans organized, sharpen your scrapers, get everything you need. Cause it just makes you mentally, it makes you feel good going into that next job. Oh, there's nothing better. It's like your to-do list. I love scratching things off the to-do list. When your van's organized and clean, there's not a better feeling. And speaking of um, uh, making you feel good about the job, what have you too, let's say, and you talked about bum having all those closets. If I got a job and let's say there's eight closets on the job, nine closets, they're all three by three, two by two, whatever. I'll make it a point before I leave it that day that I will do at least two of those closets and I'll do them perfectly. I'll, I won't razzle dazzle them. I'll take the time to, because it's discipline and you take the time to edge them out properly. You, you hand scrape them properly or whatever, and you get them done perfect. Because there's something mentally about when you get into there to start staining that, that they're clean, there's no edger marks and everything. And you, you know what I mean? That you didn't just razzle dazzle them out. All right, the reason that I'm laughing about this, God, sometimes it's amazing we were born in the same planet. I've had both guys that I worked a lot with, Peter, my old partner, and my son, where maybe we got separated on jobs or whatever. And, you know, they were on one job, I was on another or starting. And I would 36, 50, maybe even start 80 and with the drum. And they come walking in going, really? You weren't going to pick up the edger? You weren't going to do a closet? You weren't going to do a stair? <laughs> You're not that guy, well, are you? <laughs> oh god i yes i am i am that guy yeah i, I worked with a oh my god i yeah. am i am that guy <laughs> ask ask peter ask bum they'll both swear to it like he's not exaggerating he would 80 if he could um i had a guy on a job one time and i had one guy do this to me and uh he couldn't go to work on the following day because I have a family obligation, whatever he says, Wayne, I, but he was really, and I knew it was only like a 600 square feet job. He had, he was there all day the day before. So he goes, can you get, uh, it's not to the point where it's standing. Can you finish it? And I'm thinking, sure. 600 square feet. He was there all day yesterday. I got this. I go there. He's got all the big machine done perfectly. <laughs> he didn't edge nothing. He didn't, he left all the closets. He left all the hooking, everything. <laughs> Uh, what kind of human being does that to somebody? You you don't, that's not the way the job moves, man. Oh, oh my God. I hope they're, I hope my guys are listening to this. They will, they're going to call you after this. That's like the guy that goes, uh, how many, how many square feet did you install today? He goes, oh man, I installed 720 square feet, three quarter, two and a quarter, 720. Put that on the wall, man. Killed it. Man, that's, uh, dude, that's a great day, man. And you drive out to the job the next day and he, and he let everything 12 inches to the wall. He left every closet. He left, you know, the hallway, he didn't do the hallway three, three foot, six by 14 foot hallway. Yeah. You took all the meat off the job, man. He so. Johnson did. That's what he did. He yeah. Johnson did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, you ever see the movie, uh, man who shot Liberty Valance? Classic man. Uh, one of my absolute all-time favorite movies. One, I think one of the greatest movies of all time. It's, it's definitely in my top ten. 
watch it. It's one of those movies, no matter where in the movie, if I flip on it, no matter where in the movie, it, it could be the last 10 minutes of the movie, I'm still going to watch it. You have movies like that? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Very okay. few. Very few. Because once I see the movie, I don't care how good it is, I'm usually done. But there are movies, and that's that's one of them I would say the same thing about. Patton. Patton is another one. of that. No matter when Patton comes on, I'll watch. Anyways, one of the things I could never understand about that movie is the woman gets to choose between John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart. Now, for the life of me, for years, I could never figure out why why she would pick Jimmy Stewart over John Wayne. And you are the one who finally gave me the answer. Yeah. It was the shoes. Of course. <laughs> it had to be the shoes. Absolutely. There's and a lesson there. <laughs> Ransom Stoddard was a lawyer. He had yeah. beautiful shoes. Mm -hmm. John Wayne couldn't compete with that. Not the shoe. It was all about the shoe. <laughs> and it finally hit me the other day. That's what it was. When I heard the girls talking about your shoes and everything, I was like, okay. There you go. That's why Ransom Stoddard in the Man Who Shot Liberty Valance got the girl. Yep. The shoes. There's a lesson. <laughs> all right. So uh, how, about the, how about the payment structure, Rob? Oh, that is taken care of at the estimate. Let's make no doubt about it. And the, the other thing with the payment structure, and we got into this, if you don't talk about payment structure, you're gonna be whacked at the end of the job with those, uh, the hidden discount, you know, like, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? Where that's a terrible conversation to have after you've done a fantastic job for this guy because you're just not gonna be in the right frame of mind. You've worked so hard in this job now is not the time to be haggling over money. Everything should be set in stone before I even got to the job. Yeah, is there a worse feeling uh, when you own a business and I don't care what business you're in that, um, you know, your job is done, you're expecting the check and you don't get the check. And then so then you're going to the mailbox and then you come home Wednesday night, you're tired, you come home and you open that mailbox and the check's not there. And then you come home the next day Anything? All right. Well, the check will be here today. Surely it's going to be there today. Check's not there. Check's not there the next day. Saturday comes around. The check's not. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to play that game. Oh God. So, so no, I we work. You work way too hard. Yeah. To play that game. So you're right about that. I mean, as a young kid, you learn these lessons the hard way. But uh, you know, setting the expectations on the we talk about that's one of our one of at your schools. It's uh, one of our ten commandments is the expectations. Well, you have expectations as well uh, that they need to meet. You run through a thousand different hoops and uh, you deserve to get paid on time. So setting that, and um, again, that's one of these things I think that once you set the expectations and you have that meeting of the minds and everybody agrees this is what it is, then that's what it is. I mean, I've, you know, and I, I think uh, you can't let people take advantage of that. You really have to stand by that. I think this really goes out to a lot of the new guys too. You know, I mean, we have a lot of guys who come to the school who are just getting started in their own business. And I remember when I started mine and it was almost like I was afraid to ask for more money or I was afraid to tell them how I wanted to get paid. You, you know what I mean? I know it sounds yeah. strange. Who would be afraid to have that conversation, you know, because I was always thinking, oh my God, they're just going to, 
you know, toss me out in the street if I ask for 50% up front to pay for wood and things like that. Uh, if you ever have, I think that's, get over that fear because that's just crazy. Well, there's another, that's a good point. And another one is uh, a contracts. We signed a contract with every job and, and I didn't do that till like maybe, I don't know, year, year and a half into the, me being a floor man. And when I first would hand that contract to people, it was intimidating for me that, you know, I'm having you sign this contract. Uh, I got over that real quick. Um, and I, I think you should have a contract on every, every job. I'm, I'm, I, I, some lady told me something. I can't remember her name, darn it. But it was brilliant. And she said, because a lot of guys say, well, you know, I do everything on a handshake. You know what she said, handshakes are great for introductions. After that, I want a contract. And I'm also a firm believer about that uh, because, you know, it, it's, it's, it puts out there exactly what you're going to do. And in some cases, exactly what, you know, also what you're not going to do, but it's a, it, it's a meeting of the minds. You guys came to a decision and um, I don't want to ever be in a situation where I don't have the upper hand where, you know, I don't have a contract and now I have to go back and, and, you know, hope that, you know, he's going to do the right thing or she's going to do the right thing. Uh, so I think it's, it's like you said, for, for guys in the trade that are early on, I think, it, I, I personally think it's, you should have a contract on every job. Oh, I couldn't agree more because that whole thing I was talking about with the fear of asking for money and when I want money and how much and everything that complete, the thing that helped me get through that and really helped everything and, and get everything into focus was when we did go to a contract because we had everything on that contract, the payment structure. Who's responsible for what? Who's responsible for moving the appliances? Who's responsible for taking pictures off of the wall? All of that stuff. It was very cut and dry once I, once we got into using contracts. So yeah, for the new guys out there, we're just getting started. This is just a nice, easy way. And, you know, like you said, handshakes are great for introductions. I love that. But yeah, once we get going here. I want something signed. And as far as productivity also to me, and, and this, uh, this I put on the lead guy and I also put on the, uh, uh, the, the uh, maybe an apprentice on the job is to anticipate. It's such an important thing is that, uh, that you learn to anticipate what the next step is. Uh, when I said that the guy running the big machine is king on our job sites. So if I'm the edger guy, I'm thinking, all right, where's he going next? What does he need from me? How can I get out of his way? And then that, that step is done. Okay, well, if he's going to do this, then what do I need to do to complement what he's getting ready to do? And that's a good team when you can anticipate what each other's next move is. And eventually you get to the point where you work with guys long enough and there's guys listening to this now can completely relate to this, that you don't even need to talk. You know, you've got a good crew, a good tight crew when you don't have to talk. I yeah. know what he, I know ah. what he's going to do next. He knows right. what I need. And, and, um, uh, you know, I remember my brother's left-handed. My brother Doug is left-handed. So we would get along great all day, work hard together. Everybody's a great frame of mind until it come time to stain. And my brother's left-handed. If I started on the right hand, this is before we buffed on stain. If I started on the right-hand side of the room to start staining, all hell would break loose. <laughs> Why did you start on that side of the room? We start on this side of the room. And then eventually I had to realize, all right, to me, it's the guy wiping off makes a decision. All right. So because it's harder. So I'll give it up to him. If you, he's if you the eyes, start, right? He's the yeah, eyes. The other guy's just, he's the grunt. 
exactly. It's a whole lot easier to wipe on than, than, than wipe off. So we start on that side of the room. But again, my point is that you, if you can anticipate what the guy is getting ready to do next, and, and the installation is the same way. You know, you know what his habits are, what he has to do in order for to, to make his stuff work, then here's what you need to do. And, uh, and it makes the productivity on job way up. All right. We're at the end of the job now. It's over. End of job. Let's talk about what we're going to do at the end of the job. Right away, right off the bat, you know, I'm Mr. Fire Safety. Let's talk about proper disposal of dust and stain rags. Jared was on here uh, on the podcast we have coming up. Jeremiah Strong, a territory manager, and he and I worked together. He worked for me for, I think, about three or four years. And he remembers the first job that we ever worked on together. And that was a job that the guys before us burned the house, um, caused a fire in the house. And when we mm. got there, I can still to this day picture the stained rags against the wall and, and a three-quarter empty stained can. And you saw from those rags sitting there, went up that wall into the rafters. And, you know, when we got there, they had had to tear all the sheetrock out in the house. They had, a, you know, the kitchen was damaged and everything. But, but uh, that's the first job we started on. I have a healthy respect for stained rags. Um, that I can't begin to tell you. So Good. spontaneous, and, and, and if anybody has not listened, if you only listen to one podcast from the past, Rob, Rob's uh, talk about fire safety, I think is, is maybe the most important one we've ever done. Thank you. All right, let's also show that homeowner that we are socially responsible. We live in a whole new world from the time you and I were doing this to now my son doing it, social responsibility, recycling, all that stuff. To me, it was always, oh my God, what a crock. But now it's, you show that you care for the customer and you care for the community as well. Exactly. Throw them empty gallons underneath the crawl space. <laughs> <laughs> stuff those stained rags way, way down in that bag of dust. You know, you, you know, something I never considered that, Rob, until you just said, you just made me think about this. So if I were bidding the job and, you, you know, and especially if someone's got a Prius outside, it matters. I, I Absolutely. I would say, you know what? Oh, my God. Yeah. We take care of these afterwards done. We uh, dispose of these things properly. And, and uh, so it's not just going to the landfill, blah, blah, blah. And I, I think that a uh, uh, good point. Um, another thing that I want to do, too, is I want to educate my homeowner now. I've just used Traffic HD and I want to explain to them the difference between a dry time and a cure time. Now, especially now where we have the Traffic HD and we have a three-day full cure on that. That's, I've been saying that for a long time. This is a game changer. But a lot of times homeowners don't understand what a cure time is. We all know we have, oh, yeah, when paint dries or finish dries, it's dry and we're good to go. Well, this is where we have to have that conversation with them about what a cure time is versus what a dry time is. I, I told the story before, but I'm going to re repeat it because I think it is important and it goes to your point. Uh, real good contractor that I, that I, I know did a floor for a lady, an installation, installed the whole house and floors. Beautiful job. Thank you very much. Here's your money. Everybody parts ways. Great, great interaction. Uh, a year later, she calls up and she says, you need to come back and look at my floors. Uh, there's a problem here and you got you better be able to fix it. So he comes to look at the floors. All the floors are cupped big time. And he, he goes, I, 
you know, he does everything right way. He's a really good contractor. He does act, you know, he does, he, he checks the moisture conditions and all that kind of stuff, acclimates the wood. So he's talking to her and the lo and behold, she never moved into the house. She has a house in Hawaii. So she, she never moved in. And uh, so he goes, well, you never moved in. You never, you know, you had the greenhouse effect going on. You never took care of the HVAC. So she goes, well, that's, you know, I didn't know I was supposed to do all that. So long story short, they, short, they went to court. And he, the contract is thinking, hey, I'm in great standings here because, you know, this is on her. But he lost. Wow. And it shocked him that he lost. And the reason why he lost is because he didn't have anything in his contract that explained to her how, the, how she needed to take care of these floors. And um, so, and even if it doesn't go that far, it's kind of a tough conversation to be in to say, you know, well, you did this to your floors when, and you never explained anything. I mean, someone who spends 30 or 40 or 50 or $60,000 or more on a floor, they need to be sat down and say, listen, here's how you take care of your, your investment. So you're not even talking, you're talking floor care, but you're also talking environment. 100%. I know guys that will leave a hygrometer uh, with the homeowner and you buy them. I was going to date myself and say Radio Shack, but I don't think they're around anymore. I'd love uh, Radio Shack. You can find I, every little gadget I there. Missed ra yeah. I missed Radio Shack. I, I can't was, believe Radio Shack isn't around. We got to be showing our age now, but. I, I used to love to go Christmas shopping at Radio Shack. Yeah. For the people that you really didn't want to buy nothing for. But, you know, it wouldn't cost you very much. You get some kind of you know, unique little. I could do half of Bum's Christmas shopping at Radio Shack. He loved that kind of, you know, radio control cars and all electronics. Yeah. Stuff, whatever. Cover the game. I miss Radio Shack. But hygrometer, leave the hygrometer for him, and he would tell them if this drops below 35 or it gets above 55 or whatever, you might be concerned about the uh, the the, uh, the floors cupping or shrinking on them. So he made them kind of responsible, put put their give them some uh, skin in the that, game. That is a great. Uh, I wish people. I hope people are listening to that one because what a great thing when you hand them that cleaning kit and you hand them their first cleaning kit. That should be a that should go right along with a nice little sheet with your company letterhead and everything on it, on how to maintain, not just the floors but how to maintain the environment that those floors are going to be kept in. Perfect. If you're bidding the job and you tell them when the job is done, we have a, a consultation of how we want you to take care of the floors, how you know how to make the the floors healthy and last last the longest. Um, I mean, you just set yourself apart from everybody. And you. Know, you we say this all the time, just like you said, setting yourself apart from everybody. Now you've cultivated the lifetime customer who is going to be your lifetime salesman. That's it. That's the game. That's it. Um, Rob, we're coming up on uh, the 4th of July. Uh, what plans you got? Oh, we do, we do the fourth big around here. And I don't know if we're going to be able to do it this year because, um, it's been very dry. We're in a drought. And the guy who usually plants corn behind my house, a big cornfield, he planted hay. So um, we usually get a ton of fireworks. It makes Pauline very uneasy. I have to travel out of state. I know I shouldn't be talking about my illegal activities, but I have to go out of state to get the good stuff. So we'll do fireworks, big cookout, a bonfire. I'll go around collecting pallets I can find. You've seen pictures of my bonfires. I'll do a pallet and I'll do 10 or 12 pallets, start that bonfire. So 
I don't think we'll be able to do any of that. We'll do the cookout and everything, but I don't know if we'll be able to do the fireworks because of the drought. Yeah. And I know Pauline won't let me pull the, uh, the bonfire. No. So I'm hoping for rain every day from now to the fourth, and then I can do your thing. Burn, yeah. burn it to the ground, baby. Yeah. What nice. do you do on the fourth? I'm going to hang out with my bride. Got no plans. We have a parade that goes through town. Uh, so we, some friends come over, we sit on the front porch and it's a real small town, American kind of tradition, I, I, which I love. And, um, and just have a, just, uh, might get a little fishing in, I hope. And that's it. Very low. Yeah. Very low key celebrate our independence. And uh, I hope all of our listeners gets a, you know, we know floor guys work so hard, man. And, and, and uh, this year has been particularly hard on a lot of people. Um, we work, end up working a lot of holidays and stuff. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, uh, you get a chance to enjoy this time with your families, celebrate, give yourself a pat on the back for how hard you work. Don't don't take that for granted. I mean, there's not a lot of people that can do what four, four people can do. That is an absolute fact. It's a tough trade, tough, tough trade to be in all aspects of it. So uh, we hope our, our listeners have a, have a great 4th of July with your families. And, and uh, we want to thank you very kindly for taking some time out, listen to our silly uh, podcast. And um, please stay tuned for another episode.